And we are back in 2023. The Reds make a move. That's a much bigger splash than you think. We're going to tell you why on this bonus live emergency breaking news edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Welcome in, and my name is Jeff Carr. His name is Steve Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team and to information for you. want to thank you for joining us here on this emergency live Saturday edition of the podcast as we are reacting to the Reds signing Frankie Montas, a former New York Yankee, Oakland A., even a, I think he was a White Sox for a minute before they traded him to the A's, and now he is a Cincinnati Red. Is he the rotation piece that we've all been looking for? There is one question that he needs to answer for me to feel good about that. Plus, does this preclude the Reds from doing anything else? Is this the end of the big moves for Nick Crawl this offseason? And, I mean, how do we feel? Does this improve our grade of the offseason? We are getting to all of that on today's Lockdown Reds podcast that is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Go to FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today and sign up. New users, when a $5 money line bet, you get $150 in bonus bets. It's FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. All right, Steve, let's jump right in because I'm excited about this move. If nothing but for the kind of potential that it has but make no mistake about it we were talking about we wanted the reds to add a reliable starting pitcher he has a huge question mark that he must answer in order to be considered reliable because right now i don't put him in that category so you you've got a lot of thoughts on this i know you do i'm gonna open with just a couple of mine and then i'll let you get into to these questions he or the question that yes. he needs to answer. But let's just look at this thing on the surface. A one-year deal, $16 million. Uh, this is a deal that has prove it written all over it. Uh, yeah. We all know he's coming off that shoulder surgery. He was injured. Uh, he made it back to pitch in one game at the end of the season in September. Uh, he got four outs. That doesn't really tell us anything. Uh, his body of work tells us he's a good starting pitcher. And if he is healthy, he is a good starting pitcher. Is this the pitcher we were looking for? It's not the pitcher we were looking for, but it's an upgrade pitcher if he's healthy. There's a lot of if there. I understand. But this this is a no-risk move for the Reds. It's a one-year deal. It's not your money. It's not my money. It's not Jeff's money. So that doesn't matter. It's Bob's cabbage money. Spend it all. If this pans out, this is the pitcher we were looking for. And if it doesn't pan out, the Reds aren't out anything. They're not out CES. They're not out Noel V. Marte. They're not out Matt McClain. They're not out Chase Petty. They're not out Rhett Lauer. The list goes on and on and on. They're giving up nothing but Bob's money for this. There's no reason to be mad, upset, or disappointed about it. Doesn't move my C-grade needle. Nope, not yet. Again, this is going to be one of those moves that you have to look at in hindsight and you have to evaluate after you have some data to put behind it. But on paper, a healthy Frankie Montas is an upgrade, is an innings eater, is a guy. Listen, he's not freaking Luke Weaver. This is all I really need to know to start basing my evaluations on what is going on with this move, Jeff. So uh, I know you have a lot of thoughts on his health, and, and I'll piggyback off of that. But just on the surface of it, I like this move. I like 
that Nick Crawl is getting outside of the Reds' norm, outside of the box of the way the Reds have normally done things. I like that he has yet to deal any high-powered uh, prospect capital in order to bring a guy in. And, and with what the Dodgers have done to this free agent market, I, I think this is a steal. I, I mean, you're talking about a free agent market and an extension market where a, a guy coming from Japan gets a 12-year, 300-million-plus deal <laughs> having never thrown a pitch in Major League Baseball. So for me, this is a coup. Right, and and that's where I want to start as well is that I have been seeing a lot of questions, a lot of folks asking, is this an overpay? And in this market, it absolutely isn't. I mean, there's been so many different signings that we've already seen. I mean, the Reds were rumored for the last year or so to be in on Lucas Giolito, whether they trade for him or sign him or something like that, he signs with the Red Sox for two years and basically $20 million. And Track had him in around 13. So everybody's overpaying for starting pitching right now. The Reds getting Frankie Montas on a one-year $16 million deal. There's two reasons why this could be good. He must answer it with one. He must have, you know, answer one question before I start to really feel good about this, though. Is he healthy? And it's just like what Seth Floyd's alchemy says. It's a good signing. Stay healthy. Because when he was healthy in 2021, he was up there in the top Cy Young vote getters. He was sixth in American League Cy Young voting. He led the American League in starts with 32 through 189 innings that year. He had over 200 strikeouts then, which was a strikeouts per nine of 10. He had a walks per nine of 2.7, which is below league average or, you know, below you know good it's good um to say all that but he showed himself to be a talented pitcher he also has a five pitch mix what do we always talk about when we're looking at you know nick lodolo and hunter green we say man it'd be nice if they added another pitch he's got five and he throws three different fastballs he's got a four seamer a sinker and a cutter his four seamer and his sinker around 96 when he's healthy but his out pitch is his splitter and he and Fernando Cruz could probably get together and talk about good split finger uh, pitches, but his splitter had a whiff rate in 2022 of 36%. In 2022, he even kind of had a little bit of a downturn because I think his labrum was hurt a little bit. And I was pointing to my left labrum, it was his right labrum. Um, but that was the surgery that he had to have to clean that up in spring training of last year. So yes, he has a lot of the great like baseline stuff that Derek Johnson can work with. And I wanted to throw this up here because Austin B had mentioned this. I think Derek was brought in to help make the decision to bring Montes to Cincy. I absolutely think so. He's the pitching coordinator for the organization. They asked him, who do you want? And I bet that this was one of the guys that he wanted. And he's got a lot to work with, supposing that Frankie Montes is 100% healthy. And let's hit this too, because we talked about this briefly uh, when we were talking about Montes. Uh, Malachi checks in and says he was great with Oakland, then he wasn't good in New York. What changed? Who cares? We've seen this before. Uh, a dude named Sonny Gray was great in <laughs> Oakland and terrible, absolutely horrific for the New York Yankees. And then in his next stop, which was, where was his next stop after the Yankees? Um, where did Sonny go? Oh, Derek Johnson and the Cincinnati Reds. So this is, I think this is great. Um, I, I don't put, I listen, there are some people that just aren't wired to be successful in New York city. It is cutthroat. It is in your face 24 seven. The, the media outlets there are in your face 24 seven. And there are guys that simply can't adjust to all that noise and well, it, it impacts them negatively. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't put stock in that. I, 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 I think, the pitcher that he was before the Yankees is the pitcher that he is. You know, what changed was New York. New York is what changed. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't have a problem with that at all. Well, and beyond that, too, he admitted. So last February was when he had the surgery to repair his labrum. He admitted in March that whenever he came over to the Yankees in a trade in 2022, that he was hurt, that he wasn't coming over to the Yankees at 100 percent, which, you know, to his credit, most players by the end of July are not 100% healthy, but I think he was referring to, he was already starting to feel that shoulder a little bit. And you can see a very gratuitous drop in velocity once he came to New York, a gratuitous drop in strikeouts once he got to New York. So he was a different pitcher. And I think that is really where the question stems for me. Obviously, coming off shoulder surgery, only pitching in one game last year, he he didn't prove that he was 100%. But the fact that this stems back probably more like a year and a half than just one year, he does have more to prove here. That's why I'm not marking him in the reliable category. Actually, I have an article that's going up over at InsideTheReds.com about this. Right now, today, December 30th at 3.41 p.m. Eastern time, I mark this move as like a B-. minus but it has all the potential in the world to become an A plus move. He just has to answer that main question. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep this party rolling. Uh, Coming up in the next segment, we're going to continue to talk about Frankie Montas. And we're also going to look at if this is the starting pitcher that the Reds have been looking for, or is there something else we want to see them do or think they will do is a trade still a potential. We're going to get into all of that coming up in just a second. But before we do that, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. It is cold outside. Winter has set in, but the promotions over at FanDuel, they are just heating up hotter and hotter. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers will get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks back to you in your bank account if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action than right now. You can do spreads. You can play money lines. You can even combine prop bets on a game into a single game parlay. That's even more fun, uh, more investment into the contest in front of you. Uh, Right now, the, the odds over at FanDuel for the Reds to win the National League Central are plus 450. I don't think this Frankie Montes signing is going to move that line any, um, at least not initially. Uh, maybe once we get closer to spring training and the Reds demonstrate what they really have, that line will move. So might be a good time to throw a few dollars at it. To do that, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can start turning your sports knowledge into cash. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League, as well as the official sports book of Locked On. Speaking of Locked On, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of the Locked On Network, plus Locked On's national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 streaming channel. All right, Jeff, we're back here on this live bonus emergency extra 2023. Is this our last show of the year? Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) Only Nick Crawl knows if this is our last show of the year. He Uh, said it on the last one and he said, hold my beer, guys. Hold my beer. He did. He did. I think he's watching right now going, (laughs) wait. Uh, And I hope that's the case. But let's let's dive back into this, because uh, if there is another 2023 episode, it will mean the Reds have done more. 
And and we've said all along, uh, you've said all along that the Reds needed another starting pitcher. I have agreed the pitching staff needed some upgrades. You know, now they go out and get Frankie Montas, who when healthy is an upgrade. Uh, there was a comment that went flying by and, and you guys, it's Saturday and there's so many of you here right now. Thanks Thank a lot. You. We appreciate you. Uh, comment sections going off. I saw something fly by on the screen there while I was trying to read and talk at the same time. But basically it was how is this deal different? than what the Reds have already had, relying on potential versus going and get an actual proven starter. And, and there's there's probably some validity to that, Jeff, because yeah. – and maybe we're not relying on potential in this, uh, but maybe we're doing a little hope as a strategy because we are hoping that Montas is healthy, and we know if Montas is healthy, we know the guy that he is then. We know he's that Oakland type of pitcher that's going to be an upgrade to this rotation. So there's a little hope. There's a little – little reliance on some outside factors, but it's not really that starting pitcher that you wanted. It's not that needle mover or is it that needle mover? I don't think so. Like I, I, I maybe the line moves just a little bit on the reds odds at winning the NL central, but I don't think it makes them the favorites right now because uh, that, that comment is correct. This is more potential than reliable. I do give him a little bit more props than talking about, you know, the rookies and the sophomores that we really hope take a big step forward because those guys don't necessarily have a track record. He does. He has a track record. It's just been a few years since he showed that. One of the most impressive things when I look at his 2021 with the Oakland A's was that his ERA, and we talk about this a lot, his ERA and his fielding independent pitching, his FIP, were exactly the same meaning there was no luck involved. He was just a really freaking good pitcher that year. And if he can get back to that, if that is who he is, then this is an A-plus move. But he's got to prove it. It's not something that I'm – it's not as if they went and they got a Bieber or they went and they got, you know, like a, a Snell or a Montgomery and we just go hit the ground running with how reliable of a signing this is. This is still a little bit more of a gamble. It's just I think – Nick Crawl understands he has his ace in a back pocket with Derek Johnson, and Derek Johnson is going to be able to kind of unlock the things that he did well in 2021 and bring those back out to the forefront this season. That's why I'm happy with this move. I'm not over the moon with this move like I would have been with some of those other you know, signings or trades, but it's like you said – Low risk. They didn't trade anybody for this move. They didn't give up any prospects. All they gave up was Bob's cabbage. Let's talk a few minutes, Jeff, just about the pitcher that Montas is. We haven't we haven't really dug into his numbers here. And and you mentioned that that 2021 season. He actually had Cy Young votes yes. in 2021. A great season. He led baseball, or sorry, he led the American League in games started at 32 through 187 innings that season on his career you know you talk about that era versus fit for his career he has a 3.9 era career wise that fip is 3.79 so his numbers over the course of his career he's been a little unlucky uh when you take a look at his strikeouts per nine versus his walks per nine strikeouts per nine are at 9.3 he's right he's getting right up there towards 10 per nine innings love that walks per nine innings are at three that's kind of your and mine's benchmark of uh, if a guy is doing a good job, if he's walking three or less per nine, we like that. I think he'll get that number down because, you know, he's got some skewed numbers there with the New York Yankees. So I, I think he'll be better than that. I predict if healthy, he could be a 10 plus strikeout per nine 
very realistic. And I think he could get that walks per nine down just under three. I think we'll see a couple walks uh, out of him per start, and, and those numbers can improve. All that says that when you look at his body of work, that if he hadn't had the shoulder thing, this is probably a pitcher we would have been talking about getting that 20 million, 25 million, five year deal yep. that would have been the needle mover, the press conference event, the 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 starting pitcher that you had been advocating for. So it, it's I saw another comment that he's a reclamation project, and I don't think that's true. Uh, that's different. You know, reclamation projects are guys that have had it and lost it for no explainable reason other than, you know, pitching is weird, uh, especially with relief pitchers, but pitching right. is weird. This is just more of a, you know, a guy that was probably injured. And like, as you were saying earlier, Jeff in, in New York and still tried to pitch through it. Um, and, and we really have got to, we, the, the major league baseball medical staffs have really got to get better at protecting these players from themselves. Uh, yeah. They continue to try and push through these injuries, making them worse and poor performances, et cetera, et cetera. I won't get on that soapbox, Jeff, because you know how I get. But uh, I just see it as one of those deals. Uh, I really, really like this signing. I think I there's so much upside potential to this signing. There's so many ways that it can go right for the Cincinnati Reds uh, with it only costing Bob's money. Now, I can hear... I can feel I can feel a disturbance in the comment sections when I say things like that because there's going to be the people that say, "Well, you could have spent that money on Teoscar Hernandez. You could have okay. spent that money on somebody else." Yeah, but you know what? They still can spend that money on Teoscar Hernandez. They still they still could go out and sign another starting pitcher. Now we're going to talk about in a second here whether or not they will, but they could still do that. Right now they're still about 36 million dollars below league average on payroll. They're not, I, I mean, they're nowhere near playing with the big boys as far as payroll goes. They're right. still in that lane that I've been saying, Jeff, where they can make moves. The Castellinis can still cry poverty. They can still cry small market and they don't have to change their narrative. And yet this team is improving. So I, I, I like it. I'm happy with this deal. I'm, I'm happy with what they spent. Um, they didn't use my checkbook to do it. So I, I yeah. have no problem with it at all. Um, I, I, I'm hell yeah. Frankie Montes, let's go. Well, and let's look at this too. And, and, and I want to look at this in a different way here in just another minute. Um, but one other thing, and you were mentioning the really awesome statistics and things to get excited about. I'll give you one more. His career ground ball rate is almost 44%. We're talking about a dude that is much closer. Oh my closer God, how did you not were. lead with that? That's your yeah, stat. How, that's how my, is that not the first thing you yelled at us? As one of the, there's too many things going around in my mind with this signing, but yes, that is, that is meeting what I want to see the Reds get in a pitcher. So I'm very excited about that part of this as well. I'm also excited about another thing because I think this move indicates why other moves weren't happening. I'm going to tell you about that coming up here in just a moment before we talk about that though wanted to remind you you can follow us in between episodes you can follow us on twitter x at jeff Carr with three f's you can follow steve at s offenbaker with two f's and you can follow the show at locked on reds there's no f's in that make sure you bookmark inside the reds.com as well we're writing about the reds uh over there the sports illustrated website for the reds inside the reds.com and join the locked on reds discord page that we have down 
in the description of this episode. Um, Steve, one one other thing I really want to talk about here with this, and before, because there are some I'm questions. Not, I'm not getting a cabbage. bill, and I'm and I eat a lot of Kahlua and cabbage, so I'm doing my part, folks. That, cabbage, that's yeah. it. That's it. Um, one other thing I want to talk about this because I think that this is important. The signing of Frankie Montas, I believe, is exactly what Nick Crawl was looking for. We talked about this on yesterday's show that Nick Crawl was not going to sign a guy whose contract overlaps with the arbitration years of the young core. He wanted to add talent, but also keep that that time period a little bit more open on the payroll side so that he could keep as many players as possible, maybe even extend one or two of them uh, beyond their arbitration years. I think that is what is also important about this deal, that if he turns out to be healthy and pitches well, that it becomes an even bigger win. It, it turns into a win-win for Nick Crawl, and he looks like a genius with this move, because like we said, everybody's going for long-term contracts right now. I think that is why we have not seen the red sign. One of these big guys that they could totally afford. I think he was going and talking to the agents of those players and saying, look, we do have the financial flexibility to go and, and, and add you to our team. And then they're like, okay, cool. So we're talking five years, six years. What, what are we thinking here? He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. How, how about like three or four? No, 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 no. That's not what we want. I'm kind of thinking that's how those negotiations were going. So then he goes on to the trade market, talks to the White Sox, talks to the Indians or Guardians, slip there, uh, talks to the Rays. <laughs> right. Always just, me. You did yeah, it. Talks to the Rays about glass now. And all of them were looking for expensive prospect packages that he was not trying to get, get involved with. So I think you add all of that together and you come out with a guy like this, who if he just proves that one big thing that he's healthy, he turns into one of these talented pitchers that the Reds uh, did not have to overpay in years for. And this deal just looks so much better as you continue to see all sides of it. I, I love this deal. The more that we consider what it could become, I'm still saying right now, it's not the big needle mover we were hoping for, at least on the, you know, announcement of the deal, but I think it's got the kind of potential to really make this offseason look like a, just absolute gem of an offseason, especially when you include him with Nick Martinez. So let's uh, let's get into the comment section, Jeff. We are live, so everybody is here with us. There's a lot of people. Uh, if you're looking at the, there's a lot of people here with us on a Saturday. Um, so so let's dig into this because you know the question that remains is: Are they done? Are they going to do more? Um, well, they're in a position to. Jimmy McFarland makes a great point. Now they have the leverage before the trade that deadline. If they need to go get a piece, they can trade a prospect. They haven't given up anything. That means Chase Petty's still going to be around. You could do something. Edwin Arroyo still here. Everybody wants to get Edwin Arroyo. There's mm -hmm. going to be an opportunity for the Reds to have had now a half a season more of looking at what guys are doing in the minor leagues, figuring out where the moves are going to be as far as promotions and see who truly is blocked, like really blocked. And then you have a surplus now. You can deal from your surplus. You can bring in that missing piece. Maybe they decide they do need to go get that right-handed power outfield bat. Maybe they do need to go get another uh, ace of a bullpen arm on a rental to go along with Alexis Diaz to, to make sure they win the division. Uh, I really like the position that Nick Crawl has kind of built for himself because he's put himself in a position 
that he can, and a little bit down the road, pull the trigger on something that's going to make us all lose our minds. And, and I think that's a great point, Jimmy. I, I think that by having not made a trade and not overpaid uh, in this market that the Dodgers have absolutely wrecked. They've, they, yeah. I, I just can't believe that one team managed to not only wreck the free agent market, but the trade market as well. They just, they managed to just ruin the whole off season. And for me, Nick crawl has handled this beautifully. Um, he hasn't, he hasn't fallen into a trap that a lot of GMs fall into. And, and well, I know he's president of baseball operations now, but that a lot of the guys making the decisions fall into uh, where they panic. Like, Oh my God, I needed to do something. I have to do something. So I'm going to do something. And, and he didn't do that. So I, I, a lot of credit to him for that. He's, he's once again, you know, if you were on the fence about whether or not to trust Nick crawl, uh, he's answered that question time and time and time again. hundred percent. And I think the other thing, and it's, it's a minor consideration with this move, but he Frankie Montes isn't an alpha. Nick Martinez isn't an alpha. Emilio Pagan, Jamer Candelario. Candelario might be the closest to an alpha of all the moves that they've made, but they're adding guys that can kind of be assimilated into the clubhouse. They don't come in with their own feelings of, of you know, I'm superior and something. I mean, maybe they do, but not to the extent that some other guys like a huge move, like that was the one thing for me with Clayton Kershaw. Like I've always heard good things about how he is in the clubhouse, but I feel like Frankie Montas comes into this with a little bit more of a malleable personality compared to other guys that they would have had to overpay for. Because as we've talked to with multiple former players and things like this and, and current players, everyone sort of has a hierarchy in the clubhouse based on the contract that guys are receiving. So like if a guy comes in and he's making the kind of money that you would have had to throw to Blake Snell or a Jordan Montgomery or something like that, he immediately comes in and everybody's like, okay, he's the guy. He's kind of like one of our team leaders. I think Nick Kroll has recognized who the current team leaders are and are trying to build the team not only around them, but to make sure that the personality in the clubhouse does not dramatically change with any addition. And I think that's a small part of this that really can't be overlooked because I think it's just only going to continue to strengthen this team as we move forward. We didn't talk about how they're going to put him on the 40 man, Jeff. And we've kind of yeah. speculated there there's, there's someone, someone's getting DFA'd. Yep. Yeah. So, you have, yeah. You've got 40 on the roster already. And we were looking at a couple Daniel, of guys, Daniel, right? Daniel Duarte, Casey Legomina. I think one of those guys that will probably make it through the process and still be a member of the organization. Uh, like those are talking about, there's going to be eight bullpen arms. And those guys mm -hmm. don't really fit into that plan, at least not an opening day. So let's keep going on these comments a little bit. There's some great conversation going in the, the comment section over here. Nick asks, uh, how is trading for uh, Bieber and Orsis beyond their means? They have the capital. It's not beyond. Okay. It's not beyond their means. They do have the capital, but everydayers will know we've been telling you what that package is going to look like. I am just not in a place where I am ready to trade five guys for all in one the top 20, most likely. All in the top 20. I, it just this this year in particular is so out of balance with what is being asked for in return that I do not blame the Reds one bit for taking a step back. It, it just 
Jeff and I have both said there's really nobody that's not on the major league roster that's untouchable. Mm-hmm. But if you've got five pieces, you don't trade them all the way in your first shot to bring in a guy. There, there is no way you can convince me that Dylan Cease is worth what that package looked like that we we broke down earlier in the week. There's, there's just no way. So it's not about having the means to do it. it, it it's about smart baseball decisions. And trading away everyone in one swoop that you pretty much would then you would be at a point after that trade where you wouldn't have a lot of capital left to deal as far as the minor leagues go. At that right. point, you'd have to start looking at the major league roster if you wanted to make a move. So you want to go get Dylan Cease. You want to do this, this Bieber class a trade and trade away all of the surplus that's in the minors right now. Just know that at the trade deadline, when they need a piece that the, the phone calls are going to be uh, talking about Matt McClain. They're going to be talking about CES. They're going to be talking about Noel B. Marte because there's not going to be a lot left in the minor leagues. And I, Listen, they're not untouchable, those guys on the major league rosters, but it would take a whole lot and a, a whole lot to get me to want to trade one of those guys. And, right. and what you're going to do during a trade deadline deal, that's not going to be it. The magic is not there. Um, I, I have absolutely no complaints at all about Nick Crawl taking a step back and not doing the deals for, for Cease or Bieber. I also think that Nick Crawl understands how to manipulate the economics of a baseball roster, not just, you know, contract numbers and things like that, but the high risk, high reward guys and the low risk, high reward and all this other stuff. Like think about the moves that Nick Crawl has made and sure he was tasked with cutting payroll and, and getting a lot of different uh, players off of this roster and trading and turning them into prospects and future capital and things like that. But think of all the moves that he has made since his promotion. What is the riskiest move? What what is the move that that you look at and you're like, boy, oh boy, I don't know, because there's not that many of them. And any of them that that seemed risky at the time, and maybe they didn't pan out. Like, okay, Will Myers, that didn't work. But honestly, was it that big a deal that it didn't work out? Because I don't think so. And I think that's the same case with this. Like, if Frankie Montas, for some reason doesn't prove to work out. He's not healthy or he's just not taking that step forward with it. We all think he can. They still have plenty of talent on this pitching staff to sort of absorb that a little bit. They're not slump proof, but they are in a position that they can kind of mitigate slumps and things like that. They have other guys who can step in and do some big stuff for them. So I don't think that he looked at the deals that were going to require a lot of risk of trading all these prospects or, or signing guys that their, their contract would overlap with having to extend some of the young core and things like that. I don't think he looked at it and said, I don't have to make this move because there's other options out here that I can kind of avoid that sort of big gamble. So Frank, Frankie Montas, he's a little bit of a gamble, but only in the sense of, they are gambling with no what risk. they know they can lose. Yeah, the, and it, there's no risk. It's a gamble with no risk. I mean, unless you're a fan that feels like you have some kind of investment in risking Bob's money. Other yeah. than that, there's no risk. Um, and you're right, Jeff. Of all the moves from the offseason, is there one that you're like, oh, man, I don't know. I mean, I guess the the closest to that reaction was, well, we're bringing in Nick Martinez. He's going to be a starter. He's in the rotation. And in the meantime, if that fails, if he can't be that guy, we know he's a damn good relief pitcher. So it's really not a risk. It, it, right. there, there's not a risk here. And I also want to get to this. This our, our obligatory 
answer to this thing because I'm really getting tired of having to say over and over. Nick Craw has said the Cincinnati Reds will not pursue Trevor Bauer. They won't do it. He didn't elaborate. He didn't beat around the bush. He looked at the camera. He looked at the reporters and he said the Cincinnati Reds will not be signing Trevor Bauer. So we're not, but that's why we don't keep going down this road, guys. Um, yeah. If Nick Craw suddenly changes his mind, we'll we'll talk about it again. Um, because but they're, but they're not going to do it. And he's a guy who sort of tries to play around different answers about when when somebody asks him what their strategy is with a certain position or improving this position or something like that. He usually says things like, oh, well, you know, we're looking to improve the team however we possibly can. He poignantly answered. And the word the word for word quote was, we do not feel like Trevor Bauer is an option for us. And so I was like, okay, I mean, that's not beating around a bush right there. He's going right into it and saying that that's not happening. So this. This move has nothing to do with that because that move was already dead. That'll do it for us here today on this emergency edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, for participating in the comments section. Really appreciate everybody uh, that checked us out today. We will be back with you here coming up next week because why, Steve? We are Locked On Reds every single day. Let's go. Jack to the tits. (laughs) 